in John 4, verse 23 to 24. And it says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for people who have his glory foremost in their minds and utmost in their hearts. He's looking for a people who will proclaim with their mouths and believe in their hearts that he alone is worthy to be praised. We've seen that worship is a response to our love for the Father. And this morning was great. But I want to say that we are only, it's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more that God has for us in our worship. So what kind of worship is, is Jesus looking for? Jesus makes it very clear and very simple for us to understand. The kind of worshipers the Father is seeking are those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for both true worshipers and spiritual worshipers. And true worship of God is not for your pleasure. It's not about you. It is about Father God. It's about what will make Him happy, what will glorify Him, what will lift Him up. And last week we looked at a true worshiper is someone who is true in focus. It is someone who understands that worship is not for his pleasure, but it is for God's pleasure. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, God, did you enjoy the worship? Not did we enjoy it, but Father God, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy what came out of my heart? Because you see, it's out of the attitude of our heart that true worship comes. And that's what God is looking at, is He wants to see what is it that's coming out of your heart. Do you really love me, or are you only giving lip service? True worshipers are not concerned about their comfort or convenience. We are concerned about God's glory. And so this morning, we're going to carry on and just have a look at a few more things. Last week, uh, we looked at the lady who brought her jar of perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet and how that was costly worship to her. And as children of God, when we come to worship God, we mustn't look around us and see what other people are doing. We need to worship God in a way that is true to us. You see, we can't all take bottles of perfume and pour it on Jesus' feet. That was what was special to that lady. But what is special to you? What makes your worship special to God? And so don't look around and see what other people are doing in worship. You bring your own worship to God. You see, when that lady brought that John broke it over Jesus' feet, the disciples were moaning and saying, but this could have been sold 
and uh, we could have used it for the money for the poor. But Jesus says to them, leave her alone. She did what she could. You and I need to do what we can in our worship. And like I said last week, our worship is a sacrifice and it's going to cost us something. And David said, when um, we looked at this last week in 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offering that costs me nothing. See, our worship is going to cost us something. It's not cheap. Worship will cost you. See, he must increase, and we've got to decrease. And that's what worship is about. Jesus increasing, and us becoming less and less. For the worship leaders, if by the end of worship, people have forgotten about you, and have met with Almighty God, then you've done your job well. And that's what it's about. It's not about us looking to the band. It's about us forgetting about the band. It's for, forgetting about everything that's going on around us. It's about us taking our attention and our focus and putting it on Jesus and seeing Him for who He is. And when that happens, we've had a good time of worship. It's not about us. Oh Lord, not about us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. See, even this morning, this was worship to the Lord. As we were praying for these people up front here, that's worship to the Lord. It's not about us. It's about the glory of God. And when we lift up the name of Jesus... He is worshipped. And that's what he wants. He wants us to lift his name up. His name is higher than any other name. His name is greater than any other name. It's the name that surpasses any situation or circumstance that you find yourself in. His name is worthy to be praised. True worshippers are those who are true in life. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, I urge you therefore in the view of God's mercy to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. This is your acceptable service of worship. Worship, like I've mentioned before, is not only the singing part of the service, but it's the way that we live our lives. God requires a lifestyle of worship. It's not just something we come here and do on a Sunday. It's a lifestyle. It needs to be the way that we live our lives on a daily basis. And there are many other ways of worshiping God, which I'll mention in a little while. True worshipers realize that acceptable worship is less about themselves and more about Father God. It's more about a life that is laid down than a song that is raised up. And so often we want to come here on a Sunday and we want to worship the Lord, but we haven't laid down our lives. Jesus wants us to lay down our lives on the altar. 
and let him take rule and reign of our lives. I read this and I thought it was absolutely so true. Christians don't tell lies. They sing them every week in their songs. What do I mean by this? Every breath I take, every moment I'm awake, I live for you, Jesus. Most of us break that promise before we even leave this building. We come here and we sing songs. Mighty is our God, mighty is our King. Mighty is our Lord, ruler of everything. But yet the world consumes us. And we leave here after singing a song like that, and we go back out into the world, and the pressures of the world are so great, and Jesus just fades away. We lie as we sing these songs in the church if we are not singing them out of a heart of worship. See, the way we love our wives, the way we love our husbands is acts of worship to our Father. The way that we raise our children is an act of worship. The way we behave towards those in authority, aina, <laughs> is an act of worship to our Father. The way we handle our finances, the way that you act at work and behave at work, all of this is an act of worship to Father God. When you're driving down the road and you get cut off, the way you react, <laughs> it's either going to be an act of worship <laughs> or it's going to be some other kind of act. See, Colossians 3 verse 23 says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. See, this is as much about worship as our songs that we offer up to Jesus. Jesus is wanting us to live a lifestyle of worship to him. God hears the songs of our lives louder than the song that we sing. And that means that there are some great songs that we sing that we have to live up to. How do you think God must feel when we come and we, we worship him with these wonderful songs, but we refuse to live them out? I think it must hurt the heart of our Father. As much as Father God loves praise, it causes him pain when we are not willing to make the sacrifices that are necessary to live up to the songs that we sing. What we sing, we must live. And when you think of some of the songs that we sing, it's scary. If we have to start living out those songs. But if we are not willing to sing them, to, to live to those songs that we're singing, we're actually doing God an injustice. When we go back to the story of that lady, um, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus asks her for a drink of water. And this is a symbol of friendship. I didn't know that. Something new that I learned. That this was a symbol of friendship. But she uses an excuse of being a Samaritan as the reason why they can't relate to one another. 
But you know what? Jesus is able to see right through that smoke screen. He's able to see where the problem is in her life. It's not the culture. It's not that she's a Samaritan woman. It's that there is sin in her life. Jesus says to her, you've been married to five men, and the, the man that you're living with now is not your husband. See, Jesus is far more concerned with her life than he is with her culture and her theology. He wants her to be honest about the mess that her life is in. And you see, Jesus wants each and every one of us to be honest about the mess that our lives are in. Some of us put on brave faces. We come here to church and someone asks you, how are you? No, I'm fine. But inside you're hurting and you're broken. You're ready to give up on life. And we are lying. Be honest about the mess that your life is in so that Jesus can sort it out, that he can heal it, that he can restore you once again. You see, Jesus had something way better for that lady. He had living water to give to her, and that would satisfy her soul. You see, this woman was looking for love and acceptance, and what Jesus had, that living water, that would give her love and acceptance. It would be all that she would need. She wouldn't have to go running after more men looking for love and acceptance. See, one of the big reasons why the Spirit of God is not poured out in a greater way during our praise and worship times like this morning is because there is sin in the house of God. And that hurts Father God. And He cannot pour out His Spirit in a place where there is sin. And so, friends, I want to say to you, we need to get our lives right with Jesus Christ. We cannot live lives of sin. We cannot live like the world and come here on a Sunday and act all holy. On Friday night, we were just, we got together and we were just speaking and, and something that came up that I'd forgotten a long time ago was, um, it was a pastor's conference. And all these guys were staying together in a hotel. And uh, halfway through, one of the guys came to the hotel manager and he was speaking to him and he was, he was trying to lead this man to the Lord. And he said, I'm not interested in this gospel that you preach. And the guy asked him why. And he says, my pornography account has gone through the roof since the pastors have been staying in the hotel. Men of God who are supposed to be preaching the gospel, leading others to Christ. Here they are away from their wives at a pastor's conference and are watching pornography. No wonder the church is in such a mess. We've got to guard our lives. Men and women of God, guard your lives. Because this is an act of worship to our King. And if he can destroy that act of worship, he's got you where he wants you. God hates religious games, thinking our songs will impress him. What impresses him is a life that is laid down. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me.
And that's the position that God wants us to be in, where it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives inside of me. God is also looking for worshipers who are true in theology. What do I mean by this? Theology simply means our knowledge and our understanding of God. Where do we get this knowledge and understanding of God from? Out of His Word, by spending time in His presence, by meditating on His Word, by allowing the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to us who Father God is. Many times in our worship, we go after an experience of God, but we don't know the truth of who God really is. Our knowledge and understanding of God should determine our experience, not the other way around. Not our experience determining who God is. You see, church, if we want to be true worshipers, then we need to know who our God is. Because how can we worship someone that we don't know? And so it's important for us to get to know who God is. Although God is a God of love, He is also a just God. He is a God of righteousness. He is a God who is going to judge the living and the dead. These are sometimes things we don't want to hear, but they are the truth. If you are not willing to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, then the truth of the matter is, is that you are on a road that leads to destruction. And one day, when the judge judges you, you are going to find yourself in hell. And that's the truth of the matter. As ugly as it may be, it's the truth. We need to know who our God is so that we can worship Him in spirit and in truth. The songs that we sing, do they glorify God or do they make us feel good? Our worship is for God's glory. It's not for our feelings. And like I said last week, in those green light meetings that we have where everything just seems to run so smoothly and everything is going well and we come out of the meeting feeling good, the question we need to ask ourselves is, Father, did it make you feel good? Was it pleasing and honorable to you? Not how did it make me feel, and we judge the meeting by how it made me feel. But Father, did it make you feel happy? Was it pleasing to you? Did you rejoice over it? In the book of Psalms, we see the word magnify mentioned many times. It says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And what does a magnifying glass do? It magnifies the object that you are looking at. That object doesn't actually get bigger. It stays the same. But it seems bigger because you see it from closer up. It's the same as a telescope. It's like a whole lot of magnifying glasses put together. And we use it to look at planets and the moon. And when we look at it, it's not that the moon has got any bigger. It's just that we see it closer up. And we can see a lot more detail on the moon. And it's the same when we magnify God, when we lift Him up. 
We cannot make him any bigger than he is. He is who he is. And he is unchanging. So many times what happens is the pressures and the distractions of this world causes our image of God to become smaller and smaller. When God fades into the distance somewhere, we lose sight of him. But when we start to magnify him, we remind ourselves about the truth of who he, the truth of who he is. And we start taking a closer look. It's like looking at him through a magnifying glass. And we start to see who he is. We start to see that he is love, that he is truth, that he is righteousness, that he is justice, that he is the healer, that he is the savior. And it changes our perspective of who God is. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's what happens when we start to magnify Jesus. The, the earthly distractions fall away. The things of the world become smaller and our Jesus becomes bigger and bigger. When I declare the truth about God's character, his love, his holiness, his power, his kingship, his faithfulness, and his justice, there is a refocusing that takes place. From a place of magnifying God, I find the faith to say, Lord, all these things that you are, I am not. Help me to become what you are. In the natural, we can't do that. But when we magnify Jesus, when we lift him up and we start to see him for who he is, then we can say that. Our faith in God comes first. Sorry, our faith in God comes through looking first at God. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, we end up with a high view of who our Father is. And that's what he wants. He wants us to have a high view of him. He wants us to take our focus off of the situations that we are facing and turn our eyes back on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Because when you look full in his wonderful face, all those other things don't matter any longer. You see Jesus for who he is. Worshipping Father this way prevents us from becoming self-indulgent and sentimental. It brings our focus back to the brightness of who God is. And I'm trusting that as a church, that we'll turn our focus back to Jesus. That like with that magnifying glass, we'll, we'll take Jesus and look at him through that magnifying glass. And we'll start to see who he really is. We'll start to see all the attributes of who God is. We'll start to see what Jesus has done for us. And in that, we'll be able to worship him for who he really is. You cannot worship Jesus if you do not know who he is. 
If you don't know who he is and you come here and you are singing the songs, that's all you're doing. You're simply just singing the songs. You're not worshiping Father God. If we know Jesus and he is enough for us, we should be able to worship him in any situation that we are facing because he is more than enough for any situation that you face. Worship to God is not determined by your circumstance or your situation. It's determined by your personal relationship with Him. And so I want to encourage us as a church, let us start worshiping the Father the way that He wants us to, in spirit and in truth. Get to know who it is that you are worshiping. Spend time in His presence, loving upon Father. And as we do that, God will start revealing more and more of himself to us. And as he does that, our worship of him becomes more and more. Because we start to realize that there is more and more of Father that we can worship. If you are here today and you don't know Jesus, like I said before, you cannot worship him the way that he wants you to. Because you do not have a relationship with him. And if that's you here this morning and you're saying, I don't know Jesus. I don't know this Jesus that you're talking about. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Don't leave this place not knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's the most wonderful relationship that you will ever have. It is an absolute honor and privilege to serve our King. He is worthy of our praise and our worship. Can we pray together? Father, your name is higher than any other name. And as a church, we want to lift up the name of Jesus. We want to declare that the name of Jesus is high and lifted up. We want not only your name to be lifted up in this church, but in the hearts and the lives of your people. We want your name, Jesus, to be lifted up, not only in this church, but in this town of ours. We want your name to be lifted up in this city. We want your name to be lifted up in South Africa. We want you to be worshipped throughout the world, Father. And Lord, to be able to do that, we need to know who you are. We need a bigger picture of who Jesus Christ is. And so, Father, I pray for us as the, the body of Christ that we will lift you up, that we will magnify your name. And that as we do that, as you draw closer to us, Father, we will start to realize more and more of who you are. It will cause us to fall deeper in love with you. And it will cause us to change the way that we live our lives. If you've come into this building this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have never got to that place where you surrender your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you feel a tugging on your heart, that's the Holy Spirit that is busy ministering to you this morning. And He's saying, I want you to give your life to Jesus. 
I want you to surrender to Him. And if that's you this morning and, and you are just feeling that tugging on your heart, you're feeling that uneasiness, it's the Holy Spirit busy working in you right now. And He's wanting you to surrender. So if that's you this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity this morning. First of all, I'm going to ask you, if that's you, to raise your hand. And then second of all, I'm going to ask you at the end of the meeting to come and speak to me or to one of the other leaders of the church. And we'd love to pray with you and show you what it means to be a child of God. So if that's you here this morning and you don't know Jesus, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, won't you raise your hand so that I can see who you are? Thank you. Father, your desire for us as this body of Christ, as children of God, is to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, as we go down this journey of, of finding out what that means, I pray that you reveal more and more of yourself to us so that we can be those who are true in worship to our Father. We thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us, spring day, the start of something new. And Father, thank you that in many of our lives, it's going to be the start of something new. I pray your blessing upon this congregation over these people. Father, I pray for your protection upon them. And I pray that, Lord, they will learn to be true worshipers of you. I pray that we will come back with testimonies of how we've had incredible times of worship in your presence over this next week. We ask this in your wonderful and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Please don't rush off. Come and enjoy some tea and coffee with us. And for those that are visiting, please go and get yourself a free cappuccino and don't rush off. Uh, but dang, just sorry, we, there's one last thing that we need to do just before we, we leave this morning. Um, so, uh, Stephen.